facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Welcome to Monday. It's September the 25th, 2023. So glad you're with me on The Kale Clark Show. This is going to be an interesting program. I know you're going to want to have a take on what we're going to talk about in just a couple of minutes. Is the Mass too long? A cardinal of the Holy Roman Church has suggested that might be the case. I know you're going to want to weigh in on this. So here's the phone number, 888-914-9149. Toll free to talk to me on The Kale Clark Show, 888-914-9149. Well, I don't know if the Mass is too long, it's too slow, but one, one thing that might be interesting in terms of slowness to embrace is something called slow productivity. I'll, I'll talk about that. It's a good thing to talk about on the Mondays. We're kicking off the work week here on Relevant Radio. And and I have to recap an absolutely wild week three in the NFL. There was a Taylor Swift sighting. There was a 70-burger. I'm 0-3 in fantasy football, looks like. It's all just too much to handle. So we'll talk about this. 888-914-9149. You can also... Get at me on the X app. My handle is at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. Okay. All right, let's let's talk about this. Cardinal Dolan in New York City, uh, he, he released kind of a, an op-ed, and I want to thank Patrick Alog. He, he alerted me to this, so thanks, Patrick. And if you, too, if you're listening, you want to be a shadow producer of the show, you can email me, kale at relevantradio.com, C-A-L-E at relevantradio.com. Send me a link. Send me an article something you think I might have a take on. It's always good to talk about what you want to talk about on the show. So Patrick Alog sent me this, and I'm glad he did, because I know you're going to want to weigh in on this. So this was uh, on uh, the website for our Sunday Visitor, in their news section. And it's pretty short, so it it only takes three minutes to read, um, which is apparently a lot shorter than most of the masses that are going on. Uh, talk of hour-and-a-half-long Masses? I've never seen anything like that. For a regular Sunday Mass, I've never seen anything close in my experience. Your mileage may vary, as they say, YMMV. I I haven't seen a Mass lasting longer than an hour in quite some time. However, apparently this is pretty regular. So there, there was a survey that was done in the Archdiocese of New York, and it was kind of about the Synod on Synodality. (laughs) And just quick sidebar here. A lot of you guys are asking me about that. You're sending me emails about that. You're sending me questions on Twitter at Kale Clark is my handle about the Synod. What's my take on it? What are some of the machinations that are going on maybe behind the scenes? I, I, I hate to disappoint you on this, but here's how I'm going to approach that one. I'm not going to talk about it until, until the final documents are released. There's a lot of speculation. Trust me, I'm well aware of what's going on, what people are talking about, what they think is going to happen. I'm going to hold my tongue. I'm not going to talk about this until the actual documents come out because that that's that's really that's really all we have to deal with anyways at the, at the end of the day. All the chatter doesn't mean too much other than what's actually presented. And that's what we're going to have to look at. So we'll we'll talk about it when it's time to talk about it for now. Let's pray about it. Let's pray for all those who are participating in it. Um the synod on synodality, which which sounds pretty meta which sounds pretty meta, uh, conference about conferences or something. I, I, I know it's not quite about that. I know, I know. But it, but it is a strange, strange title to, to most people's ears. Remember those 
those ads for it that had the the Comic Sans MS font. It's just bizarre, like childish kind of poster. It's just strange. It's marketing needs work there. But having said that, we should get Rich Pie on the case. But anyways, there was a poll that was done with the Archdiocese of New York. And about 7,000 people responded to it. And it was kind of about the Senate and, and stuff that these are the quote-unquote listening sessions that were taking place. What do you want us to talk about? One of the, So one of the questions in the poll was, how can we get people to come back to Sunday Mass? And, and obviously the implication is during the pandemic, Sunday Mass attendance plummeted for various reasons. People were either scared to go. They may have had legitimate reasons for not wanting to go, health reasons. Uh, sometimes they couldn't go because churches were closed. And some churches have remained closed. Some parishes have not reopened. Much to the chagrin of many parishioners there. But how can, you, how can we get people to come back to Sunday Mass? So here's what Cardinal Dolan says. And I'm going to quote him here, okay? So this is not me talking. This is Cardinal Dolan. He says, quote, I was amazed at the high interest this generated, the question of how to get people to come back to Mass. Apart from the predictable carping, he says, from both fringes, the far left, claiming that the only way to increase mass attendance was to drop all liturgical guidelines and go back to the quote-unquote do-it-your-own do thing, do-your-own thing, hootenannies of the 1970s, or the alt-right, urging, turning the altar around and getting the fiddlebacks out of mothballs. Okay, so again, this is him talking, this is Cardinal Dolan talking, not me, I'm just quoting him here. Don't at me here. These are his his words, not mine. And he's obviously referring to liturgical abuses that went on after the, the Vatican, Second Vatican Council, early 1970s, some strange liturgical experiments, no question. He's also seeming to, you know, maybe not be so into the, the, the movement back towards uh, preconciliar liturgy with, with fiddlebacks. That's a reference to the vestments. That were used. He's, he, he uses the phrase "getting the fiddlebacks out of mothballs." Anyways, I don't want to weigh in on that right now. I just want to kind of get to the point where he's that he's trying to get to here. He says, "Quote: The largest majority replied that the top reasons people were no longer coming to Sunday Mass were, are you ready for this? Number one, because they couldn't understand the priest. Number two, the parish had been closed, and number three." Mass was too long. End of quote. Okay, so that's a, a quote from Cardinal Dolan. We're going to post the whole thing. I'll put we'll put a link in the show notes. Producer Jim, I think you have this one already, so we'll put that in the show notes. So let's let's concentrate on, on this last piece here. This this reason why people weren't coming to mass, or they weren't coming back to mass after the pandemic. Cardinal Dolan says the reason number three was the mass is too long, according to the respondents of this survey. So he says that, quote, maybe these folks were on to something. It was very clear from the tenor of their responses that these were women and men who loved the Eucharist, who would rarely themselves miss Sunday Mass, and were the first ones back after the pandemic restrictions were mercifully lifted, who gladly welcomed the genuine liturgical renewal of the Council, who were not asking for a quickie Sunday Mass, who knew that a reverent, participative, joyful celebration of the Sunday Eucharist demands a chunk of quality time. But they were still exhausted from the marathon masses, which they contend are driving the folks away. End of quote. All right, so, again, that's Cardinal Dolan's words, not mine. 
And, and what, what, why are some of the reasons why the masses are getting longer and longer? And some of these things, I've, I've experienced some of these things, and, and you probably have as well. Uh, he said that some, some of the people in these responses were saying that mass starts with music rehearsal. I've never seen that happen before. I've, I've seen choirs and, and um, musical ministries warming up, if you will, before the mass, but, but never really as part of the mass. I don't know what he really means by that. But maybe he's lamenting the fact that maybe there's not enough silence for people to pray in a church before the mass begins. That's possible. That's more than possible. Then he says, sometimes at some masses, there's an, there's an obligatory greeting to the people around you. I, I'm not a fan of this myself. I'm really not a fan of this. Hey, say hi to your neighbor around you. It kind of, in my view, this is, this is my personal opinion, kind of devalues the sign of peace that comes later. Not that we're supposed to have a, you know, hey, what are your Sunday plans? You know, kind of conversation with the sign of peace. Maybe it's best just to flash a peace sign to someone instead of you know, glad handing. I don't know. I mean, that's a whole other discussion, but... But there's a lot of this sort of greeting. Sometimes there's kind of a mini homily before the mass even begins. Today's the feast day of so and so, or or this is the the something's Sunday in ordinary time, and and the readings are about this and this. Well, maybe that should be saved for the homily. I don't know. Then there's the Gloria. The Gloria, as Cardinal Nolan says, can exhaust the angelic choir to say nothing of an unending sung responsorial psalm. The prayers of the faithful can go on forever, he says, with the final petition for the deceased added onto on the spot as some people are dropping dead in front of us. End of quote. Okay, so that's, that's, that's his joke. Again, not mine. I take no responsibility for it. This idea, yeah, the glory is sometimes, what I don't like, again, this is my personal peeve about the glory. I don't like it when the glory is sung like with a chorus, like glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth repeated again and again like a chorus throughout that's not that's not the way it's supposed to go i'm not an expert on liturgy but my understanding is it's supposed to be sung straight through and that's that's the way i like it because it, it, it can take a long time there's no there's no question about it is that necessarily a bad thing i don't know the collection the offertory um colonel dolan says the lamb of god can reach the length of a baseball game i, I don't see that i've never seen that happen then he says there's sometimes a reflection, sort of another homily, after communion, announcements, etc., 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 thanking people who had a part in the Mass. And then he says, quote, God forbid we would leave before all five verses of the closing hymn are sung. And I have not even mentioned the biggest culprit of all, the mammoth homily from priests and deacons who ignore Pope Francis's admonition to keep homilies to eight to ten minutes, end of quote. Okay, so these are um, things that are mentioned by Cardinal Dolan. I wonder if you guys agree with this. Are, are, are Sunday Masses too long, in your opinion? Why or why not? Do you think they should be longer? Are they, are they too short, maybe, where, where you are? I don't know. I'd love to get your take on this, 888 he, he says another priest who's a Monsignor told him, he said, look, I challenge you, Cardinal Dolan. He says, time, time, just take out your stopwatch and time the Eucharistic prayer. Next time you're, you're, you're at a Sunday Mass, or whether you're, don't do it while you're celebrating, but, but time the Eucharistic prayer. And this priest says, I bet you a million bucks that when you hear the Gloria being sung, sometimes that can be longer than the Eucharistic prayer itself. 
Now, there might be a point here, actually, and I think this idea of devaluing the Eucharistic prayer, that's, that's a real concern, that is for sure. But I wonder what, what you guys think about this. Are homilies too long? Are they not long enough? What Some of the other things that are going on, I really, really like your take on this. 888 you are listening to The K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio. 888 all right, let's go to Michael in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Hello, Michael. Hello, thanks for taking my call. You got it. What, what's your take um, on all this? Give me your thoughts. Um, for me, I think it's, you know, kind of a disconnect, you know. I mean, I'm 44, so I was a cradle Catholic, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, I know I've, like my sisters who have children who are in sports, I think a lot of it's like we want to get in and out, you know, wearing your sport uniforms to math, you mm, know. And wow. I think I think part of it is I mean, like the, there's not even a reverence. So I don't I don't know if mass time is a big thing. I think people, a lot of people that I see where I go to church, I don't even know if they really want to be there. They think it's, they're Catholic and they have to fulfill their obligation. Mm-hmm. So that they go. I mean, sometimes I think a homily might be too long, or if they have too many jokes or something like that. But um, I think mm-hmm. a big part of it is whether or not you want to be there. Um, I mean, it's our choice to be there. So I, I mean, an hour is not that long. I mean, you know, you wait for food longer than that sometimes in restaurants. So but it, if you can't, yeah, Michael, that, that's an. I want to. I want to actually piggyback on, on on that last point. You said a lot of interesting things there. Th- thank you very much for that call, uh, Michael in Saint Cloud. Speaking of that, producer Jim, I got to bring you on for a second because. You mentioned the whole idea of food lineups to me before the show. Uh, tell me what you told me before the show. I, I, I want to hear this. Yeah, Kayla, I was thinking about this just yesterday, even before I had uh, read the article. And it, I happened to be at um, my old parish church, and I was traveling this weekend, and things were moving pretty quick. And so it, it was beautiful mass. It was done very reverently, but it just hap- I happened to stop and ponder and think about how you know most masses tend to be an hour or shorter. Mm-hmm. And of course, we were going to breakfast afterwards. And oftentimes, the wait for brunch is an hour, sometimes even an hour and a half. So people, people are just are, just they're waiting, not complaining. Wait, and they're yeah, not complaining. And not complaining. Nope. And uh, you know, this isn't the the food that saves. It's just brunch. You know, exactly. So exactly. I, I think that mass. I mean, if it's just yeah. a little bit over an hour, well, you know, I mean, it's once a week. So. You know, it's interesting you said because yeah, speaking of New York City, I saw an article. I think it was a pancake joint. I forget the name of it, but there's this new hot pancake joint that people were lined up all around city blocks to, to try to get this thing on a Sunday morning. And that's a great example of that. People will gladly line up for things like this, which they think are really important or worth it, at least in their opinion. But the mass, they're like, ah, oh, this is too long. If it, go, if it goes past an hour, they're like, this is ridiculous. St. Jose Maria Escrivá said, said this. He said, well, you think the Mass is too, is too long? It's because your love is too short. It's you, that's, oftentimes that's the case. Oftentimes that's the case. Michael, who, who just called in, was talking about you know, the fact that a lot of people feel like, for them, Mass is kind of jumping through a hoop. They know it's their Sunday obligation. Maybe they're not really into it. They're just kind of you know, checking off a box on their list of things. I know i got to go to Mass this weekend. Saturday vigil mass or Sunday, I'm just kind of knocking this off so I can go back to doing whatever. There are there are no doubt people who think that way, no question. And um, but there, but there are also a lot of people. There are limits. Though. I mean, it doesn't mean that you can love the mass and still say I don't know if it should be an hour and a half. 
uh, maybe that's not good for the community as a whole. I don't know. I, I want to hear more of you guys' thoughts on this. 888-914-9149 is the number to call. 888-914-9149. What do you think of Cardinal Dolan's comments, this survey that they took in New York City? And a lot of respondents said, the Mass is too long. That's why people aren't coming back to Mass. Let's go to Joseph in Mesa, Arizona. Hey, Joseph. Good evening. Good afternoon. Hey, um, I go to Mass uh, with the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. They're very reverent, very awesome. The community itself evident that everybody is fully in love with Jesus. Just such a good, uh, good liturgy. Um, so, but I do think Cardinal Dolan kind of somewhat missed the work, not to not to be disrespectful toward him or anything, but I think uh, the encouragement to uh, to love Jesus, to establish a community. Mm instead of just fulfilling the obligations, is, is really where it's at. So my initial thought was, let's bring the fog machines and lights and lasers and <laughs> drums and, you know, go rah, 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 and, and you know, do the, what we, what, you know, the old guitar masses and stuff where we got lost. But, you know, the reality of it is, is that, you know, Catholics, uh, some of them are deeply in love with Jesus. Oh, no and doubt. Some of it is self, some of it is self-evident. But a lot of times and at a lot of masses all over the world, it's all about obligation and dead work. Okay. And, you know, not to, not to be critical, but, I mean, we need, like, you know, like, you know, but we need to encourage one another. Like Hebrews 3.13 says, love Jesus more. Mm. And that's, that's just my point. That's all. Yeah, well, I appreciate that so much. I appreciate that so much, Joseph. That, thanks for calling in from Mesa, Arizona. And yeah, absolutely love is the key here. Love for Jesus in the Eucharist, showing up for Jesus like Father Rocky talks about all the time. And he, he's got a great new video series, by the way, in case you haven't heard. You, you can't miss it. Just go to the relevant radio app. You can click on the banner, Eucharistic Encounters. He, he's going to have a new one every week for you. But that that's we do have to move to a place of, of love. And, and very often, our, our non-Catholic friends, we, we get asked this question a lot. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Well, it doesn't get any more personal than the Eucharist. I mean, this is this is the closest you can get to God without dying, uh, and, and we have this. But do we do we recognize what we have? Are we in love with the Eucharist? Um, and for a lot of people, we, we, they do have to kind of move past this uh, rote uh, obligation mindset and, and make it really. Um, love and and not 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 sure but we get to go to mass we don't have to go to mass we get to go to mass that's kind of the mindset we shift that we need to make here let's go to patricia in san diego hey patricia hi thanks for taking my call um i the eucharistic celebration is beautiful and i love mass i don't like it where i'm going now because they sing through the whole mass and it's not just one verse it's two or three verses as soon as uh, the Eucharist is during communion, mm-hmm. the gals start singing again. And I need some silence so that I can develop mm. that relationship with Jesus, not have this music that is constant in the church that I go to. And towards sermons, the best sermons that I've ever had is where it's short and simple, and it gives you something to think about as you're walking out and, you, and for your week. Many, many priests are doing 10, uh, 15, 18 minute sermons and they just keep talking and talking and talking. And it doesn't give me a point hmm. that this is what I'm going to take away. It's just too many words. 
Hey, Patricia, th- thank you so much for sharing that. You know what? I want to I actually glom on to something that you said. we got to take a quick break right now on the K.O. Clark Show. But talking about homilies, how long should they be? That was a major, major point in Cardinal Dolan's uh, thought piece the other day. And he mentions Pope Francis's directive that they should be no longer than, I think he said, 8 to 10 minutes. So uh, w- that's, that's something I want to talk about after the break. 888-914-9149. Is the Mass too long on Sundays? want you to weigh in on this on the Kale Clark Show. We'll be right back after this. This is the Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Welcome back to the program on this Monday. We're talking about a little opinion piece published by Cardinal Dolan of the Archdiocese of New York City. And he's talking about the fact that a lot of people are complaining. They surveyed people in the Archdiocese. Why haven't you come back to Mass? A lot of people are saying the Mass is just too long. Some people are mentioning 90-minute Masses. I've never seen that personally. However, a lot of you guys are weighing in right now. Do you think the Masses are too long? Are they are they too short? <laughs> Maybe some of you guys think that's the case. 888-914-9149 is the number to call. Toll free. Grab a line. Grab a vine. You can talk to me right now. Swing on into the show, 888-914-9149. Let's go to Carl in Dallas, Texas. Hey, Carl. Hey, how I'm, I would say that there is a balance here because the mass itself is beautiful, but if you have a bunch of, you know, do-it-yourself stuff at the beginning, at the end, interminable verses, I can see that. But my general point would be that we are being offered something, that intimate communication with God who's breaking through my mediocrity, my anxiety, my vice, my denial, my superficiality, and coming to be with me and crashing through all that and loving mm. me. Uh, it's, it's, it's some guy going to say, hey, Jack, how was your honeymoon? It was fine, but it was too short. I don't get it. <laughs> That's a great analogy. That's a great analogy, right? Because it, it is the marriage supper of the lamb, right? And And some people, now some people will say that. They'll say things like, well, you know, the Mass is a foretaste of heaven, so if you can't stand to be here for an hour, how, how in the world are you going to spend an eternity with God in heaven? Well, you might say in response to that, well, I think the preaching might be a little bit better. You know, St. Peter might have some gems for you there. Um, Paul will be there. Uh, the music might be a little bit uh, more tasteful. <laughs> but but having said, there's a human element, of course, um, in, in this, and we, we are creatures that that live in a fallen world and we have physical appetites we want we're going people get hungry they're going to want to go and even this happened with Jesus too right people were they were with him the whole day they loved it but they also had to eat right so there are there are certain limitations that we have in this in this world but i do i do think that that your main point though stands for sure uh this this idea of love and we've got to we've got to really glom on to that nobody says oh my honeymoon was way too long yeah that's a great point that's a great point thank you carl for that call hey we had a call from arizona and then one from dallas and those two cities i don't think they they uh there's a bit of a rift you know the the cardinals beat the cowboys yesterday i don't know if you heard but it was a bit of a bit of a shocker to say the least so i I didn't want to ask carl about that just in case but uh, let's go now to oh another town that's uh, reeling on the football field chicago let's go to lewis in chicago hey lewis Hi, uh, you know, I'm a Protestant, but my, my grandkids go to a, a Catholic church, and uh, I do love the church, you know, it, it's very scriptural, as it's, it's, it's a Protestant, I didn't think it was, you know, but it is, it's very scriptural, although mm. I, I, I agree that the sermons need to be longer, 
you know, because Christ, you know, if we hear his word, he's the bread of life, you know, you know, who goes to eat in eight to 10 minutes? It takes us a long time to have a meal, to enjoy it, to have, you know, family talked about things. And I think the, the sermons are too short because when I go, I hear the, the, the priest say the homily and I'm left wanting. I need more food. I need more of the word of God, you know, uh, more expand on it more. And mm. they do a great job. But I, to me, I think it's just too short. Lewis, I'm glad you called to, to mention this because I, I really, if there's one thing that I disagree with on, on this sort of general take of the mass needs to be a little bit shorter. Th- this is, and Lewis, I'm kind of in your camp. I'm kind of in your camp. And you mentioned you have Catholic grandchildren. You sometimes go, go to the masses. And I hope that that you think about you know, coming into the Catholic Church yourself or, or maybe returning if you were Catholic in the past. I don't know. But, but one, one reason why I think people leave the Catholic Church and go elsewhere and I find this really, really, this is an interesting phenomenon, because I, I was one of those people. I was a nominal Catholic. I wasn't practicing at the time, but I left the church, got into the evangelical world, became a pastor, obviously came back into the Catholic Church. But I, I found it an intriguing phenomenon. The Catholics who would complain to the cows came home about how long the Mass was, how long Father's homily was. Oh, so so long. Then they leave the Catholic Church because they're not being quote-unquote fed. I'm not getting fed. I'm not getting spiritually fed. And they start attending evangelical churches. They leave the church. And then they will go to congregations, and, I, and I've been a part of some of these, where the centerpiece, for sure, is, is the homily, is the sermon. And some of these sermons can be 45 minutes to an hour long. I'm not kidding. And you, maybe you've seen some of this stuff before in, in your own life. And then people say, I love this. I absolutely, this is what I was missing in the Catholic Church. I'm like, hang on here. You were complaining about a 10 minute homily a few months ago, and now you're happily sitting into a 45 minute, settling in for, for a long sermon from Pastor, Pastor Timmy or whoever. Okay. So now it could be that Pastor Timmy is a world class communicator. That, that's, that might be part of the, part of the thing as well. And I do think in general, there's no question that, to me, there needs to be a renaissance in Catholic preaching. There, there are notable exceptions to this, but I do think the state of preaching in the Catholic Church in general, there's a very general comment, is not up to quality. It's not on the level of some of the best communicators that are out there in the Christian world. And I, and I, I don't know why that is. I mean, there, there are a lot of theories on that. Does this mean you have to be a slick orator to... to is that, should that be part of the job description? No, I don't necessarily think that's the case either. I don't necessarily think that's the case either. I think what's more important than being a great preacher, this is just me talking, but I think the holiness, the personal holiness of the priest is is what's most important because that's what really comes through. Um, and I, Because I, I, I used to do this all the time. I, I was in Protestant ministry. I put together homilies. I know when guys are printing off stuff from the internet and reading it in the in the pulpit, especially if you know who the if you know the priest a little, a little bit personally, and say that that's not your voice. I know that you're downloading this from so and so. Look, I think I think just just that personal engagement with the text is so. I could go on for I I, I probably said too much already, but I could really really go on with this topic because here's another issue. This is another issue. And, and this, this isn't necessarily the fault of, of anyone, and maybe this isn't a good argument for expanding the length of homilies. 
But the fact of the matter is that the only catechesis, the only instruction in the faith that most Catholics get is when they go to Sunday Mass. Now, that ought not to be the case, and that's one of the reasons why we have relevant radio. Because through shows like The Faith Explained, where I try to do some teaching time, um, other programs on the network, clearly, Father Simon says, Father Simon's great at explaining the scriptures. I love listening to him. There's so many uh, ways that we try to evangelize through the media, through relevant radio, and, and we need this. But the fact of the matter is that more people need to, to listen to this because they're not getting what they, what they, they're not getting, they aren't getting fed enough when they go to Sunday Mass. Maybe that's just, they can't. I mean, maybe that's an unrealistic ask. But one, one of my priest friends was told, um, when he first got ordained, he went to, he's, he's only been ordained for less than five years, young guy. When he went to his first parish, the pastor told him, these are the rules. You can only preach for three minutes for a weekday Mass, and I'll give you seven minutes max for a Sunday. And, I'm got, and I've got you on a timer. If you go over, there's going to be consequences. So how much can you literally get across in, in that period? Three minutes? Seven minutes? I mean, people are just kind of... And I know attention spans are, are bad these days. We, we, and if you, if you talk for too long, people start taking mental smoke breaks. I, I understand that. Even the best communicators in the world, they can only hold the attention for about 10 minutes at a time. I, I, I understand that. I understand that. But I, I do lament sometimes the short, the short homilies. So that's just me. 888 Clark Show on Relevant Ready. We're talking about a letter from Cardinal Dolan, an article that he wrote, uh, saying that one of the reasons why people haven't come back to Mass in the Archdiocese of New York is that the Masses, people feel, are too long. 888-914-9149. Weigh in on this. Let's go to Deacon Ed in Philadelphia. Hello, Deacon. Hey, how are you, my brother? Uh, great, great. Thanks for calling in, Deacon. You do a lot of, lot of preaching, I would imagine. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm bi-ritual, so I do the Western, the Latin, and also the Byzantine um, rights. No kidding. Uh, so, yeah, it, you know, in, in the seminary, St. Charles Seminary, we were taught in our homiletics class, which was five years out of the seven that we spent in the diaconate formation, was that it's uh, sort of a policy, five minutes, seven minutes, maybe eight minutes, uh, not to drone on and on and on like some guys do. Um, get people, have one, type of, one topic in the gospel or one of the readings or some type of teaching for the church Mm-hmm. Grab people's attention, bring them in, give them something to go home with, and then stop. Don't don't take a lot of mm-hmm. stories. Don't don't get a lot of humor. Uh, that's not what it's there for. But if the Latin rite uh, people would go to the Eastern rite, they'd find out that it's a lot longer <laughs> than than an hour, and there's a lot that's lot true. of a lot of incense used. Um, so yeah, we have there's 168 hours in the in a week, and we can't spend an hour with God. That's that's pretty sad, but I try to yeah. do what I can for people. Um, I try to teach them and then, uh, you know, bring them closer to God, put them in that gospel uh, passage from the time of Christ. Uh, and the homily is not a Bible study. I mean, that would be a mm-hmm. separate thing altogether. And yeah. It's not meant for that. But there are times when you can bring in some kind of, uh, some kind of a Bible study into yeah. the homily for a minute or two, but... I just want to call. I, I, I always listen to you guys. I get some information I get I use for my homilies from you guys. Yeah. I kind of tweak them a little bit, you know. But uh, I, I do appreciate everything you do, and this was very important to me. Um, well, Ed, so you're, you're, thank you're you call- very much. 
Thank you. Your call is very important to me. I'm so glad you called in, Deacon Ed. Please call back anytime. It'd be it'd be great to have you call back. What what a what an incredible experience serving in Eastern rites, also the Latin rite, the Roman rite that most of us are part of. And that's true. If you've ever if you've ever been, if you ever, if you do get a chance to go to uh like a, a Coptic Catholic um mass, divine liturgy or 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 there's so many there's so many incredible eastern rites and you think it's very much like the eastern orthodox churches but it's catholic they're in union with the pope but the liturgy is different it's longer there's a lot of incense there's a lot of, and i i love incense i i i, I can't get enough of it I, I think we should have more smells and bells but having said that check out their and their liturgies are long they're they're a big time commitment and people go every week and i do think deacon is right it would give you a bit of a different perspective on things if you attended one of those liturgies, it's a fascinating thing to to be able to do, um, and yeah, I, I I do agree. Yeah, this this it, you don't have to go long to go strong with your homily. There's no question about that. And a simple concept that some try to use is head, heart, and hands. Give people something to think about, something to feel, and oftentimes that comes with a poignant story. I know I know it's not easy to find those illustrations at times, and then something to do head, heart, and hands. How can we go out there and, and take this message and, and use it to, to serve uh, others in the name of Christ? Um, I, I do think there, there are ways to, and it's, that's a challenge, to be able to not be long-winded, to be succinct, and, and have a great, impactful homily. Some of the best homilies I've ever heard have been very, very short homilies, but they were memorable because of the point that was made. So, it, great points by Deacon Ed there. Really appreciate that call. 888 Nine one four nine. Let's go to Downey, California. Heather is on the line. Hello, Heather. Hi, Kale. Um, thanks for taking my call. I, I want to kind of double down on what the deacon said. I think some of the best homilies I've actually heard have been really short, and um, but I've heard really great long ones too. I think it's less about the length of the homily than I think it is about um, people taking liberties, either the priest or the choir or whoever to make the Mass about a performance of theirs as opposed to about mm. Christ. Um, so, like, the Easter Vigil, I don't think I usually hear anybody complain that it's too long. It's one of the most beautiful um, Masses of the year, the Easter Vigil. Then you've got, um, you know, Midnight Mass on Christmas Eve, also very long, but also really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It's, it's... But I have been to a Mass that was an hour and a half. That was a regular Sunday Mass, and it oh, started really? with the youth minister. Yeah, youth minister getting up and for the first 10 minutes talking to everybody, I think they were really trying to be like um, the Protestant churches, which is not bad. We want to connect with our people, but talking with the microphone to like 20 people and who's new and where are you from? And that's great, but that's actually not the point of the Mass. That could be done Mm -hmm. before Mass is supposed to start, you know? Um, And then the priest giving um, like a summation of what the readings were going to be before the readings happened. <laughs> and then also the homily after that, yeah. And then so some of those things Cardinal Dolan mentioned, and I was like, yes, yep. yes. <laughs> like I have experienced those things myself. And then the choirs who are there to put on a performance, and then there's yeah. clapping typically afterwards, which is something that is a pet peeve of mine. Like, oh, yeah. we're not here to perform. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about the priest. It's not about any of us. It's about Christ and giving thanks. It's the Eucharist. We are giving thanks for him and then taking him into ourselves. And so, I don't know, to me, if there were the right focus, the length doesn't matter. 
um, it, the length of time becomes an issue when all these other things that don't belong there are put in. Or when, you know, the priest doesn't take the time to write a homily and then ends up repeating himself over and over because he's trying to remember what he wanted to say. Those yeah. are some of the things, and those have nothing to do with people not living the Mass. It's yeah. more like, let's focus where we're supposed to focus and not make it a performance. And yep. Yeah, Heather, I appreciate that. Well, listen, drive safe. It sounds like you're on the road. I heard a car whiz by. It sounded like you're on the Autobahn there. So uh, probably one of the freeways out in Southern California. Appreciate that call, Heather. Yeah, that's that's another pet peeve of mine, too, is when people don't prepare their homily, deacons, priests. And I know priests are busy. I know they are. They're very, very busy. But if you think about it, th- this is this is one of the key things because the truth of the matter, whether whether it should be this way or not, like I said a few minutes ago, for some people, this is the only catechesis that they're ever going to get throughout the week. So they're bombarded with all kinds of messages from all kinds of other sources the rest of the week, and it's like waves crashing against the the shoreline. It's going to wear down that rock. So we've got to build up a formation. We've got to get sharp. And th- think about the the man hours that that go that go into getting the family to mass. Every single family that comes to the parish, how many hours collectively they spend getting out of bed, getting the kids ready, uh, taking the time, driving over, whatever. And if you don't even have the time to to study, man, that's a problem. That's a problem. Wh- why is that happening? It's worth it. The people are worth it. Their eternal souls are worth it. End of homily. Okay, I'm kind of preaching myself here, but Cardinal Dolan's not wrong about some of this stuff and. And our last caller did mention uh, a lot of the performance mentality that's out there. And certainly most, I'm going to be very generous and say that most people out there who are involved in these ministries are in it for the right reasons. And they're not looking for human applause. They're not doing it for for kudos or recognition or attaboys, pats on the back. St. Paul says, hey, we preach our, we do not preach ourselves. We we preach Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. We've got to have that servant mentality, however way we're serving. And wasn't it Pope Benedict who said that any time that applause breaks out in the liturgy, that's a sign something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. And again, the people's motivation is not to, to do that. It's, it's not to make it a human thing. They're often just trying to show their appreciation for for what the gift of music that these, these folks are bringing to the table. But... But it is true. We ought not to look at it. This sort of performance mentality can slip in. Uh, it's not a theater, and we're not watching a show. We are actually parti- we are called to to participate in this great mystery. And whew, anyways, I've said too much. Let's go to Barbara in Fort Myers, Florida. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. If you want to call in, Barbara in Fort Myers. How you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. This good, is very good. interesting. This is very interesting to me because I, you know, I I went to the old school. I'm maybe two years old, so I've been to a lot of churches, Protestant, Catholic, you name it. I've been to them all. And honey, let me tell you something: if Catholics have a problem with mass, they haven't gone to an evangelical church mm-hmm. where they only have preaching, a seven, a thirty minutes of music, thirty yep. minutes of preaching, and author call period the end hello see you next sunday people yep. who come to our church they either want to come or they don't want to come and they come out of obligation i see this when they even go to communion their hands are down by their side their shoulders are shrunk i mean they don't they don't feel they really 
you can see with their body language, mm-hmm. they do not feel they're going out because they have to be there, not because they want to. As far as the priest, please don't read off a piece of paper. Drives me crazy. Let me let me jump in for a second, Barbara, because because I, I we got to take a break in a, in a second, but I want to respond to a couple of things that you said there. Um, we, we shouldn't judge people where they're at interiorly. However, body language and comportment do do say something, right? Because the theology of the body, right? A, a lot of things are communicated through the body um, and one's dress. How seriously you're taking this? Um, not saying you have to wear your tuxedo, but also, there's no question the, the the enthusiasm. You can kind of read it on people's faces. Are they are they are they with you? Are they there? Um, and yeah, I, for homilies, what I care about the older the older I get, I only care about the content. Like the delivery stuff is is important because it helps people to pay attention. Uh, but I'm okay with reading as long as it's memorizing homilies. It's not possible for everyone. I, I'm kind of at that phase where I I don't think that's some people can do it, do it really, really well, but um, but uh, I, the content is king here, I, I think. And, and sometimes we just have to learn how to listen because we are so used to being entertained, and it is it's a mind shift. There's no question about it. Um, we're bombarded, especially through through our phones. Um, dopamine hits all the time, so it's hard to just kind of slow ourselves down and listen. It's really difficult. But uh, you guys are having some uh, interesting takes on this. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. We will be right back after this on the Kale Clark Show. I wanna be an end game. I wanna be your first string. I wanna be your A team. I wanna be your end game. All right, this is the end game of this episode of the Kale Clark Show, and of course, that is Taylor Swift. And I gotta tell you, I've I've actually been to a Taylor Swift concert. Now, some of you Swifties out there are probably jealous right now. Jealousy's a sin. You'll be even more jealous when I tell you that I got a free ticket. Can you believe that? Anyways, it's a great show. I almost went deaf though. I'm glad I brought earplugs. That was the Reputation tour. And um, I'll tell you what, uh, if you if you if you are a fan of the NFL, you know that she, of course, is alleged to be dating Kansas City tight end. Travis Kelsey, and uh, she was shown a lot on television uh, in a private box at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City as the Chiefs played the Chicago Bears, um, demolished the Bears, unfortunately for Bears fans, and um, that's a whole other story. What a, what a crazy week at Hallis Hall. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, apparently, of equipment being stolen from, from Soldier Field at some point. Um, the defensive coordinator of the Bears dismissed from his job rumors of an FBI raid his house. Apparently that did not happen, but he's in some sort of, I don't know what's going on. There'll be an explanation at some point as Justin Fields regressed to the point where they might have to draft Caleb Williams with the number one pick. I don't know. But anyway, so the Bears lost, but Travis Kelsey seems to be winning. He's dating. And there's got to be a lot of pressure dating Taylor Swift. She's, I'm not, I don't think I'm stretching it too much to say that she's probably almost as popular as Michael Jackson was in his prime. Maybe not that quite that, but she's approaching those, those levels. And Travis Kelsey, he may, they might wind up married. I, I wish the best for them. I pray for them. that Maybe they'll have a wedding in the church. I don't know if they're Catholic or not, but uh, he may also be the subject of her next album or a couple tracks. Uh, ask uh, her previous boyfriends about that. But anyways, that's uh, neither here nor there. It's not what we came to talk about. Although I got to tell you, another thing that, that 
before we before we go back to your calls here, triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. I can't believe the Miami Dolphins scored seventy points in a modern NFL game against the Denver Broncos. Wow, Coach Sean Payton, he's won the Super Bowl before with the Saints. He's coaching Denver now. That team quit on him. There's no question in my mind that th- this is a bad, bad scene because the Dolphins were not trying to run up the score. If you watch the game, they were using their four-minute offense, trying to bleed the clock, running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. They still can be tackled. Uh, unbelievable. 70 points in an NFL game, the most since 1966. Definitely the most since the merger in 1970 between the AFL and the NFL and uh, the Broncos got beaten almost as badly as my fantasy football team. I am absolutely... I'll probably have the number one pick next year in the relevant radio fantasy draft because I am stinking up the joint. I'm 0-3. So what do I know? I need help. 888-914-9149. Give me some waiver wire pickups. 888-914-9149. But we were talking before, of course, about Colonel Dolan's opinion piece about why people are not coming to mass or not coming back to mass after the pandemic the complaint that the mass is too long a lot of you guys uh, had a lot of thoughts on that let's go back to the phones right now let's go to bob in chicago i don't know if you're a bears fan bob but but uh, <laughs> you can complain about that you can cry about that i'll listen if you, if you want no it's okay i'm not bothered by it <laughs> okay. i always expect the worst from them and and if they do better then i'm pleasantly surprised so. there you go it's a good good attitude. Expect yeah, the worst, yeah. hope for the uh, best. For, right, that's right. Thanks for taking my call. I just have a couple quick points. Uh, first point is, I think people who complain that the Mass is too long need to be reminded that Jesus Christ spent three agonizing hours on the cross for them. Mm. And an hour just really isn't that much. Uh, once yeah. a week. And also... Um, I think priests need to help their people to really fall in love with Jesus Christ. Because when you're in love, you don't count the minutes. You're just grateful to be with your beloved. And uh, I think a lot of Catholic people, they believe in Christ, they know about him, but they really don't have, they really don't know him. They don't have a prayer life, a lot of them. And I'm not, I don't say this judgmentally. I, mm-hmm. I say it in all humility and, and with deep sorrow that people could be so close and, not, and still not know him. But uh, mm-hmm. I think priests really need to help people fall in love with Christ and to mm-hmm. understand deeply what goes on at the Mass, what is really happening at the Mass. Yeah, Bob, I think, I think... my comment. Yeah, Bob, I, I think that that's a great point. You talked about Christ being on the cross uh, for three hours. And, and we, we, of course, we, 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 the Mass is not, we participate in that sacrifice. And, and there's so many misunderstandings about what the Mass is all about. I, I think it's mystical time travel because we are being sort of, brought back in time mystically to Calvary, to the events of Christ's death, his burial, his resurrection, all of that stuff. And we are being made present to those things. Can't see this with our human eyes, but to be able to be there, we can really say, you know, were you there when they crucified our Lord? Yeah, we we were, and we were there at the resurrection as well. No, we didn't walk the dusty dusty roads of Galilee with the disciples, but we get something even better because 
even those who were with Christ at those times did not get to receive him, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. But we do. We really do. And, and this is something that we can never forget. And I think a lot of, a couple of the callers here who have called in before, they mentioned the fact that people need to be educated on what the Mass is all about. Um, quick story, um, Frank Reich, who used to be the backup quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, um, heroic comeback against the Houston Oilers that year in the playoffs. We all remember that. Of course, he's now coaching. He's coaching the Carolina Panthers now. He coached the Colts before. And the stadium where the Colts play in Indianapolis, Lucas Oil Field, is going to be the site of what I'm calling the Church's Super Bowl. I'm talking about the Eucharistic Congress that's going to happen next July from the 17th to the 21st in Indianapolis. We want you to be there because Relevant Radio, we are all going to be live in person there at the Eucharistic Congress. We want you to join us. And by the way, there's great travel plans we put together for you. We've done all the legwork, so all you have to do is just click on relevantradio.com slash encounter, relevantradio.com slash encounter. We want you to be there because we need to celebrate the Eucharist. We need to educate people on it. Uh, Frank Reich, uh, he, he's not a Catholic, but he, it was really interesting what he did one year with, um, with some of his, his teammates. Um, he held a Bible study at his home, and he, he kind of pulled their wives aside, as, kind of as a little joke, but kind of not. And a lot, of the, a lot of these gals weren't super big football fans, even though their husbands played in the NFL. So he, he taught them a bunch of the plays that, that the Buffalo Bills used and, and, and intricate you know, formations, all this sort of stuff. And he did, was doing this all in secret. The first night of the Bible study, he showed up, and he, just for fun, he started talking football. And then he said, what would you do in this situation, in this particular play? And all the, all the ladies raised their hands, and they, they knew, oh, I'd spread out the tight end wide left, and I'd do this, and I'd have some extra protection here. And their husbands were like, how did you know all this stuff? He's like, I just took a few minutes to explain this to them. And they, they figured it out. I mean, and you can do that as well with the mass. We, we just need to understand what we're dealing with here. And I think if people understood what was going on, they'd be excited about it. Just like non-football fans, once they know the rules, once they figure it out, they get excited because they know what's happening. And what's happening is Christ is present in the Eucharist. Amazing. Amazing. We've got so much to celebrate in our Catholic faith. Thanks for joining me for this hour of the Kale Clark Show. Jim Shaper produced alongside Miranda today. Patrick Alock took your phone calls. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.